brother Cameron and his heart for you. And Lord, I just pray your spirit would lead him now, that you would fill him, that you'd use him as an instrument. And Lord, I pray that you would help any of our hearts that have idols in them. Lord, help us to turn our eyes and our ears to you. May you speak to us this morning by your spirit. We invite you right now in the name of Jesus to come among us, to move, to convict us. Please use my brother and bless him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Lord bless Good morning again. Do you love God? Do you love God? Everybody raise your hand if you love God. Okay. I'm going to turn to Matthew chapter 22. Starting in verse 34. Three times we have a count in our Bibles. In the New Covenant, anyway. Matthew chapter 22, and starting in verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's the greatest commandment. You think of all the things the Bible tells, all the instruction God gives. I think of this morning. Thank you, Peter, for the opening message. It's really nice, I think, of that leaning tower. It's really nice if you have already begun to build. And somebody will come alongside you and say, is the foundation quite right? I've seen houses jacked up that they were nice enough houses, didn't have foundations, and they've gone in and and done the work and saved the house. And given it a right foundation. I don't know where all of those and analogies go. Looking at the spiritual sense. But I'm, I'm thankful that, that God can do that. He can see when we, we haven't built on a right foundation. And, and things can be done. But I've seen those houses. Everybody moves out. <laughs> The house gets jacked up. It's like nothing happens. No building. Life there doesn't happen until that foundation is right. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. 
I also thought of that song we sang that last, not the last one, 510, what we offer. Those trifling things, those little things. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy affections. Maybe we think of the song, have thy affections been nailed to the cross. Is thy heart right with God? Love the Lord thy God with all thy soul. Sometimes people don't grasp what what is their soul. The soul is the part of you that feels. The soul is the part of you that has emotion. Those that spend eternity in hell, it says they will, will feel eternal torment. They, they will feel that. They will feel, even if many went there, they will feel emptiness and alone. That's the soul. And the, the eternal soul going to heaven, the, the joy of heaven, the, the joy of being with God, the joy of never being separated again, that, that joy. We are to love the Lord thy God with all our affections and with our, with our feelings and with our emotions and, and who we are. The part of you that gets excited. And with all your mind. Your thoughts. All that you think about. Some of these accounts have slightly different parts in them. I'll turn to Mark chapter 12. For me, I felt like when Christ, when I looked at these things, if he's saying, this is the greatest commandment, this is the greatest commandment, I felt like maybe I I should give a little more attention to this. This is the greatest commandment. But he also, he wasn't asked, well, you know, what are the two greatest commandments? He said, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Soul, mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. The second is like unto it. He, he, and in all three accounts, the second one is given right there with it. It's almost like you can't separate the two. In Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered discreetly, he said unto him, 
Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any questions. Do you love him with everything that you are? He added one aspect there. Do you love him with all your strength? With all your strength, is that where your effort goes? I think I look at and I think, well, my efforts go into into my family. My efforts go into my job. My efforts go into providing. My efforts go into into a message. My efforts go into so many things. But what is the reason for all those things? What's the motivation for all those things? Where where do you put all of your effort in life? Your meditation, your planning, your... What's the reason for those things? Luke chapter 10, verse 25. We'll just look for a moment at the last time this is recorded this way. Luke 10, verse 25. Luke ten twenty five and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And the man answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and in thy neighbor. As thyself. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. Do you love God with everything that you are? That song 510 that we read, those trifling things, distractions. Distractions, where you, where you put your focus. I think of everything in these past couple years. Seems like COVID. I mean, agendas, ulterior motives, just all sorts of distractions. Like we heard this morning. The devil wants to give us something else to focus on. Something else to look at. But do we love the Lord thy God? Do you love the Lord your God? Before this message at home, I I shared a message on, on struggles. I just felt like so many people struggle with things. They, they, they struggle with, with sins. They struggle with habits. They struggle with, 
weights, maybe that aren't sins. You couldn't say that they were a sin, but it doesn't really help them on in their walk with God. They, they have these struggles, and so many people have those struggles because they actually hang on to them. There isn't a deep seat, there isn't a recognition and a calling it a, it's sin. There isn't a wanting to be free. They, they aren't done enjoying the pleasure of sin for a season. But, but that's, that's often, that's within the church. Jesus doesn't want us to struggle. He gave us every, all equipping to be free. To set us free and He calls us to repentance. He calls us to turn from our wickedness and self-serving and turn to our Creator. After we can see His great love and His gift of salvation, our own destination of eternal torment in hell, do we respond in love toward God? Those who are born again, they've responded to God in in, in confession and repentance and following God and in a first step of obedience and baptism and, but do you love God? Do you keep Him first? I reach out to people in my workplace and it, that gives opportunity to talk with a lot of people and at my work they all profess to be Christians. Yeah, almost all of them. They would all say that they love God. But they love God and do things that the, that our Lord calls an abomination. They say they love God and have no idea what the Lord thinks about divorce and remarriage. And they don't care. They say they love God, but... They would be willing to kill if it had to come to it. They would be willing to take the life of someone else. They say they love God. So I wanted to be sure that I love God. And I want to ask you this morning. Do you, do you love God? Many claim to love God. They live lives that deny Him. I love that verse in Scripture where they were looking at the disciples. And I, maybe it was they looked at Peter and said, you know, he, he said he, he wasn't with Jesus. And he said, your speech betrayeth thee. And I think, oh. I was working with a man and and... When I first started my job and somebody asked me, is he, one of my children said, is he a believer? And I said, no. Later he shared me the testimony, his testimony on the next day at work. And I think, well, he didn't talk like a Christian. He didn't talk at all like a Christian. Well, maybe he's a baby Christian. Maybe he's new. No. And then I talked to somebody else and Considering this and 
And I'm thinking, he's at, he's at work carrying a sidearm at work. And I'm thinking, is what's going on? Are we having a, a, a rodent problem or something at work? You know, I mean... And yet he professes to love God. It was mentioned here this morning, we can do the right things. We're around the right people that are, that are doing a lot of good and right things. But do you love God? Is that the motivation for sharing Christ with somebody else? Is it a reality in our own lives? I'm not saying it isn't this morning. I'm not saying it isn't that way for anybody. I hope it is that way for everyone that's here. But to continue on, thinking you love God, professing that you love God, when something in your life absolutely denies God to those who know Him, or even to the world, is to be building without a whole foundation, or a right foundation, or a you know, a gap in the fact, or however you want to look at that analogy. But something is definitely missing. Some say that they love him and they don't even care what he says about the direction for their life. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. But they... They just wing it, seems like. What's the next thing? Well, what's expected? What does the church expect? What does do my peers expect? What? So I ask you, in encouragement, do you love God? God doesn't want us to be deceived, especially by our own hearts. I'm going to turn to Jeremiah chapter 17. You guys have, I'm sure, heard this before. Follow your dreams. Follow your heart. Be true to yourself. These are the world's sayings. There's actually a verse in Scripture, God's saying, don't follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. Unless you know your heart is after God. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. My heart is deceitful above all things. Sometimes when I can be sure that my motive is for a right thing, I should come to God and ask if that's, is that really, is my motive pure for this? Is my motive to win the argument or be right? Or is it to win my brother to Christ? Just an example. Your heart is desperately wicked. Sometimes. 
Now God cleanses the heart. He gives you a new heart. Where that fits with this. But I know that the deceptions our own hearts can give us are real. But I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, the reins, the affections. Even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Having right, right heart and right motive. Loving God, truly loving God. Do you know that you really love him? God wants us to know. He wants us to know if we truly know him. We'll turn to 1 John chapter 2. This this is a self-examination. This isn't an examination of others. Because it's about our own affections. It's about my own affections. In 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him truly, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. Do you love God's word? Do you love God's word? Not just the words on the page, but do you you want to know his meaning and his heart behind that? Some people study the Bible to win an argument. It's not about that at all. But to study and see God's heart. Do you keep his commandments? You can look up the word keep in many of the places in scripture where it talks about keeping his commandments and it doesn't mean obey. And I'll back up on that, but it, that's, it doesn't just mean obey what I, do what I tell you. It's not that. The word keep means to, to esteem highly, to value, to, to, to love. To reverence. God's commandments to they're they're sacred I set my Bible on the floor underneath the 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 pew one time and I said and somebody saw me do that and they said you you put your Bible on the floor I said yeah I I put it right there on in front of me and they said could you put it on the bench so I set it on the bench and I I thought well this seems a little strange but the reverence even for this book was different than, 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 I, than I thought or than I knew than I had ever been faced with before. I've seen somebody with a closed Bible, don't do that, you know, and use it kind of to walk. And I thought, whoa, you know, that for me, that was where I was like, that's the line. But that's just this. It is God's word. But where are you at? Sometimes we can joke about things. We can, we can use... I don't know where those things are. We can joke with scriptures and, and sometimes it can be edifying. And sometimes 
Some can feel that it's a, a lack of reverence. That's, that's with the book and that's with the logos, but even farther than that, with, with God's heart. Hereby we do know that we know him. If we keep, if we love, if we highly esteem his commandments, we want to discern God's heart. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoso keepeth his word, in him truly is the love of God perfected. I want to love, I want to love you with the right motive. You want to love others with a right heart to do that. You must love God. I see people who love their children and they destroy their children, honestly. And they tell their children over and over and over, I love you. But they're destroying their children. If I told them, you don't even know how to love, they would feel like I just slapped them. And and it wouldn't be of any edification or value probably to speak that. But in reality, without God in their life, without truth, without an understanding, they don't know how to love. They, they don't even know what true love is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When we love with the love of God, even our own life isn't dear to us. Not, not the physical life of living. Later on in, in chapter 2 there, in verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, he may have confidence. Excuse me. We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, ye that know if ye know that he is righteous, ye know that every one that doeth righteousness is born of him. Again, you cannot try to do righteous acts to prove that you love God. You can't flip this around. But do you love God so that doing the right things is your heart? Jesus said, for I do always those things that please him. Ever since I came across that verse, it it seems like it never goes away. It seems like every every message that I that I read for, or even so many times in our family devotions, that that verse comes back over and over again. Jesus, I, I do always those things that please Him. The words of Christ, speaking of His Father, is that my heart? Is that your heart? I think of those those two two verses. That one and and. Do all to the glory of God. Every comment that I make, whether at work, amongst friends, on the volleyball court, every comment is, is to God's glory. The, the food that I eat, the amount that I eat, the way I dress, the, everything, that's what holiness is. And he says, without holiness... 
No man shall see God. It's loving God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we can look at our own lives and the reasons that we do, the things that we do, the motives for everything. We can ask God to reveal our heart to us. David prayed in the Psalms, show me my heart, try me, test me, show me what my affections, my my reins really are. I thought they were good. Are they right? You can apply it to anything. I need this car. Does this this car need to be all-wheel drive? Does it need to be, you know, this pickup? Does it need to be four-wheel drive? Do I need a pickup? Do I need a car? Do I, this house, do I need a nice house? Do You know, what, what do I need? God, show me my heart. Do all to the glory of God. First John chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Can you imagine that? I don't know how to say it or, or how to make it any more real. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of their, of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not appear what we shall be, doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. Even as he is pure, can you purify yourself by God's grace? You can. He calls you to it, to be motivated to that. And in James, cleanse your hearts, purify your hearts, cleanse your hands, you sinners. By God's grace, he calls us to that. To have purity of motive, purity of heart, to walk close with Him, to live in Him, abide in Him. Every man that hath, every person that hath this hope in himself or herself purifieth themselves even as God is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. And whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. That word committeth means practice. It's a continual committing. It doesn't mean that when you become a Christian, you never sin again. But when you have a heart after God, you're convicted over that sin and it breaks you and you repent of it and you get right with God and you move on in victory. 
Where here it's talking about he that committed sin is of the devil. He that continually committed sin or he that practices sin. For the devil sinneth from the beginning for his purpose. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. And again, that's that practicing sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Christians don't practice sin. The same sin. As I see people struggle, and sometimes people will will confess their struggles. I struggle with this, and and then a year ago they, they... they were struggling with the same thing. And, and as they confess and open us struggling with these things, oftentimes friends will come around them and say, you know, and pray for them, which is good. And, and But that's the same thing they struggled with back then. Is there, is there victory? There is victory in Jesus. Is there a forsaking of the sin? Is the repentance real? Is... Is the heart really toward God? God doesn't want us to be deceived by our own hearts. If we are struggling with the same thing for, for very long, if you look back and you say the things, the impure thoughts I struggle with now are the same ones I used to struggle with a year ago, two years ago, whatever, something's wrong. If you think you love God and you're walking that way, Scripture saying, this isn't right. This is not God's heart for me. It's not God's heart for you. He wants to give victory. It's in true repentance. It's in true yieldedness and brokenness. Upon a true foundation. On the real cornerstone. In this, verse 10, the children of God are manifest. They are made known. And the children of the devil, they are made known. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that she heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. I was always troubled by that. Why did Cain kill his brother? What did did Abel do to him? What did Abel do? He walked in righteousness and conviction came upon Cain. And that's why the world hates when you stand up. A lot of times if you're in a, in a somewhat Christian culture, everybody's okay with you practicing Christianity. But a lot of times if you really stand where God stands, at some point it seems like if they're not true believers, you'll come to face on some. Are you going to stand? Are you going to stand on the truth of God? Stand, walk in his way, 
And it will bring conviction. In Jesus' day, the most vehemence came from those religious. And there's been times throughout history where it has been the same thing. Stand. Jesus told them, go and make disciples and teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Some would like to reduce it to, well, if you just ask Jesus into your heart, everything will be natural after that, almost. And why, why did Paul write and encourage the churches? Why did he go? Why did he preach? Why did he, why did he, was it just to get that far? Jesus said, go and teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. But that's the heart of true believers. That's their heart to love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength to to give up our affections. If God doesn't want it for me, I don't want it. Amen? If, If God doesn't want that person for my spouse, then that's the last thing I want. Yielded. Yielded to him. Walking with him. Because his own works were evil, Cain's works and his brothers were righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Can you think of anybody, you, if something happened to them, that you could even have the slightest feeling of, they deserve that. Take it to God. Go to God before that. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Christians rejoice not in iniquity. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You see those martyrs. How did they do that? People say how could they do that? How could they give up their life? How could they face what they faced? Because they already did that. Back in Romans 6. Right? When they were born again, they died to self. They weren't their own anymore. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever hath this world's goods and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. To me, that's God saying, Cameron, don't say you love God. Live it. Do it. 
walk in it. And if you don't know what he's calling you to do, and if you don't know what God's heart is on his subject, then that better be my heart to learn what his heart is and seek him in his word. And hereby know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whosoever we ask and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Oh, how this piece of scripture has been so perverted. You see, a person who's so who's so given to God, they want nothing. They don't want a spouse. They don't want to marry. They don't want to buy anything. They don't want, unless that's God's heart for them. So anything they do ask for will be given them because they've already given to God all their affections. They don't even want to ask for anything, if unless it's according to God's heart. Idealistic, maybe. God's heart what his word says he wants to do that and who and whatsoever we ask we receive in of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight and this is and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of the son of jesus on his son jesus christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him. And he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. I am so thankful for God's spirit. You walk into a place. I was. I mentioned I walk in, walked into Walmart and 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 I saw it out in the out in the parking lot a young couple with a baby and and I just immediately there was something there and I saw them later in the store. I just went up to them and you know and I I thought about it afterwards. I, I don't know why they answered me. I asked how old their their child was and and just beautiful toddling. Uh, just the sweet spirit around the whole thing, and and they they told me, and and they told me where they were from, and I thought, you know, there wasn't any fear. I mean, they were telling me these things, and I just asked God's blessing on them. I didn't know whether I was supposed to do more or less, or but I went on, and and the spirit was there. Was everything right? I don't. I'm not saying that. But God has given his Holy Spirit. It says as an earnest. It's, kind of, it's, it's a down payment. It's there. It's bringing these things to pass if we're yielded to his work. These are, all these things in this life and what he's calling and what John's saying here, they all just don't happen at the new birth. We grow in them. But the heart that's saying yes to Christ the heart that's willing to die to flesh, the heart that's willing to yield whoever the Lord uses to say, was was that right? I'm so thankful for other people to speak into my life and question the motives of things that I have done. It says wisdom is known of your children, but I don't, I don't want to wait too far down the road. 
to find out if my motives were wrong. You don't want to wait till you build a family and find out applications were totally wrong or my heart was totally wrong on this or that or even partially if my course was slightly off anybody who's shot a a bullet or an arrow or you know even from here if I say how do you get to to, to Maine and somebody says that way <laughs> and I went exactly the way they said if I was off just with the shaking of my hand, you know, that much, you know, I could, I could end up in West Virginia. So it, it's so good to come to God and ask Him, is my heart right? Is my motives right? I'm, I'm, I'm sitting down with my children and, and questioning motives on different things and asking is your heart right? Because that's my responsibility. I, I see I see this behavior, th- these actions and these outcomes, what's the motive behind that? And, and do you know your motive? These are th- healthy things. You guys close at noon. Is that how it works? Here. Revelations chapter 12. Verse 11. I thought, you know, uh, I don't have to tell Timothy to love Miriam. I don't have to try to pump in and, and or explain things or, or do to make Timothy love Miriam. But, you know what, I... Nobody has to do that for me to love my wife either, but I've sat down with people who see our marriage and they think because they they see our marriage and they say, Cameron, what do I do? And I said, do you love your wife? And he says, no. How do I? How do I get there? Since then, I've... But but just as far as all those, it's it, it comes back to the same foundation every time. Brokenness before God, true submission, confession and repentance. And if if one or both of a couple isn't willing to go there, nothing changes. Nothing changes. As far as our relationship with God, God is perfect, right? So if it's just us on the other side.
that equation. If we will humble our hearts and repent and really give up ourselves, God wants to do it. He wants to do many beautiful things. Revelations 12:11 says, "And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death." They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. What's your testimony? What has God saved you from? Think on that. What has God saved you from? Luke 7, I'm going to, I know we're at, we're at time. Luke 7, 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. And she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed her feet and anointed them with the oil. And when the Pharisees, Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him. For she is a sinner, and Jesus answering unto him, said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. He said, There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most... And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman that anointest my feet hath anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I say unto her, unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. How do you perceive your own salvation? Did God just save you from a little bit? You just needed a little help to get to heaven. Or do you see yourself as this woman? Did you know you were on your way to hell? And you didn't just need cleaned up. You needed a new heart, a new direction. 
You needed a new basis for life. You needed to be renewed in your mind. You needed the God of heaven to reveal what your heart motives are. Because you can't discern them trustingly. Because if you see yourself as this woman and you continue continue to see yourself as being this woman or once was this woman, you will love God like this woman loves Christ. You will love His Word like this woman came to Him in humbleness. But if you think like the publican or the, excuse me, the Pharisee that he prayed to God, but he was glad he wasn't like the sinner. He prayed to himself. He, Jesus didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sinners. Do you know what? Sometimes in the church, we run this greatest danger. You who grew up in a Christian home, you who had you were sanctified like the word says you were kept from so many things don't think i really don't have much of a testimony wrong you do you have this testimony god saved you those god saved he saved from murder he saved from adultery he saved from drunkenness he saved from drugs and alcohol he saved from satanism and pornography and the list goes on Because you never experienced and never walked in those things doesn't mean our Lord hasn't saved you from them. That's what he does often in in the church. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to save you from all those things. But if if your perception isn't as this woman here, that knowing that God saved me from those things. I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church of the brethren. I grew up in a home that that loved God and things were mixed and some things weren't dealt with that they should have been dealt with. I'll agree with that. But they said, go that way. Follow Jesus Christ. Go farther than we are. And it saved me from very many things. But if I think I was pretty good and just needed some help, I grew up in the church and I, you know, I didn't do this and I didn't do that and I didn't do... I can have a very shallow love for God because I have actually a very shallow dependence and realization of what God saved me from. So I tell you here today, no matter what your life has been experienced or tainted or tarnished by, God has saved you from what you look around you. Because left to yourself, not sanctified in a Christian home, those who had that blessing. That could have been yours to walk in. I could be some of those people that I try to reach out to and they just can't see. They just can't understand. They won't turn. They keep doing the same things that are destroying them. There's no reason except by the grace of God and His goodness that all of us couldn't be in that position. Do you see God's saving of you? Walk in it. Be overwhelmed in it. Live in Him. Abide in Him. Weep. Weep for His goodness. Weep for His greatness and His mercy. Love Him 
love his word, care what he cares about. God bless you. A couple weeks ago, my wife said to me as we were driving home, she said, you know, it's interesting that the Bible doesn't say in that passage, obey God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength, but it says love God. In 1 John, he read that passage, it says, but whoever keeps his word... The love of God is perfected. That's the outcome. The outcome is that our love for him is more perfect. I don't know how many of you listened to that sermon by Jerry Mahor. And um, he said, was talking about that dating couple. And he said, um, he was talking to that young couple. And he, the, the, the young man said, I, I wish I knew how to discipline myself to read the scriptures more. How do I do that? He said, the same way. You discipline yourselves to read the love letters (laughs) that your girlfriend writes you. And that, uh, that, that convicted me. What, how much do we love the Lord? So uh, I'll open the mic up here in a second, but I just wanted to make sure, Brother Mark, I know this didn't, this thought didn't even come into my mind until halfway through. If you would want, you know, we normally have you preach. But if you have anything you'd like to say to the congregation, I can step aside. If you'd like to close it, whatever you prefer. If you can think about that for a second. And if, um, Philip, if you could be preparing a song for us to sing. <clears throat> but do we love the Lord? What's our motives? The heart is desperately wicked. <clears throat> Who can know it, the scripture says. You know, the Lord's been working in my life this last couple of weeks. You know, keep praying, Lord, increase my hunger for you. Increase my desire for you. And and then I just sense the Lord saying, now you step out and do something, you know. Stop asking for these things. Start doing things. In those little moments, those little moments you're sitting and you're doing something when you could be directing your thoughts to him, but you instead direct it to something else other than him. Take those few moments throughout the day to direct your heart to him, to worship him, to love him more. feel a little like Brother Peter when he stood up here and he said, wow, I don't know that I have a lot to say, but I want to say in connection with what what, uh, Brother Cameron has shared with us, I laid there on the hospital bed about 11 weeks ago. They told me that I had a blockage in my one of my arteries and they needed to do something about it. They didn't say this, but what they were saying was, if we don't, you might die. 
<clears throat> so I lay there. This was early in the morning. My wife was still at home. She had gone home the evening before. And, and I lay there and I thought, you know, this may be my last. Statistics will say that you'll probably live through it. They've done a lot of heart surgeries. <clears throat> but not everybody does. And I guess the, the, the thing I'd like to leave with you here as I consider what I went through <clears throat> and also in connection and with thought of what Brother Cameron shared with us is this, that though you're young, and I thought I was pretty young to have heart problems, to have a blockage in my arteries, I, I was active, I was healthy, I was energetic. <clears throat> Though you're young or though whoever you are. <clears throat> not, not to say that you're going to have a heart attack next week, anything like that. But I'm going to say that there comes a time when you have your, you have, it's over. Prepare for that. Every day. That's what Cameron's been telling us. Prepare for that. <clears throat> Some of you have made your commitment to Christ and some of you have not. Those of you who have, Cameron's been challenging us with how much do we love God? Those of you who have not, <clears throat> just consider that there is an end. Y'all know. <clears throat> Maybe you don't know, but <clears throat> I've told you this before. And I I think I know almost all of you here. Maybe a couple I don't. <clears throat> Known you a little while. <clears throat> And I don't know how much I love the Lord. I'm not sure I know. I know I've been forgiven a lot. Not only the things he saved me from, but the things he's, that, I, that I did, he forgave me. <clears throat> I just want you all to know that while I love you, you all know that. But God loves you more. And that becomes, that should become our motivation the other day, just yesterday, I think, almost every prayer I pray at a meal at the table with my wife, I thank God for Ann. She told me the other day, she said, that's good, I like that, but Jesus is more than me. Thank God for Jesus. That was a good admonition to me. I do love my wife very much. I love my Lord. I think more. May we each one do that. There's coming a day when you won't have the opportunity anymore, and what you do now makes a difference. 
God bless you all. Thank you, Brother Jeremy. We'll just open up the mic quickly here. If anybody has something to say, I know it's... I can hear children are getting fussy, so... But if there's somebody that really would like to say something, can you just raise your hand? Brother Neil. It's all right. It's more for the people listening anyway. All right, well, if we would stand, and um, Brother Philip, if you could come lead us in a song, and Brother Mark, can you please close in a word of prayer? Thank you.
Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your love for us. And pray, Lord, that you would in our hearts somehow increase or cultivate or make to grow our love for you. To help us to understand, Lord, that it's the decisions we make every day that show to you how we have, how we are keeping what you ask us to do. Help us to understand that it's a decision every single day, every hour, we make decisions. I pray, Father, that you'd help us each one as we go forth from this place. We might become a little more like you. We might have a little more love for you. We might accept the love you have for us a little more and a little better. Father, that our testimony and our witness might be one that we love God. No question about it. Those people love God. I pray for that. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity we have to be here together as a church, as a group of people, as your church. And the love can flow back and forth. It's just so beautiful. Thank you for it. Be with us, Lord, as we as we go home now, today, tomorrow, whenever we do, we pray that you take us all there safely. And then, Father, I pray, I pray as I pray many, many times, Lord. Be here with this group of people too. Bless them. Protect them. Watch over them. Make them to understand what holiness is and that they not and Father, when all this is all over, whether it be all collectively, whether you return or whether it be individually as we go one by one, we pray, Father, to give us a moment of heaven.